listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. If you recall, a couple weeks ago, we were in Psalm 124, and when we were there, we heard afresh the deliverance of God in the trials of our life. But it's been a couple of weeks, right? It's been a couple of weeks since we were last there. We have encountered all sorts of things over the last couple of weeks. Some of us may have been knocked back a couple of notches. We may think that we're staggering in our life. We may, as we have watched the news, grown even more exasperated by the society in which we live as we see that it is fundamentally opposed to the values and culture in which we are grounded. We ask ourselves this morning, what do we do now? What do we do now that we've experienced all this and we may not be as strong, upright as we were? The psalmist answers us this morning. The psalmist tells us in verses 1 and 2 that we should remember that there is security for the child of God. Look with me. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. We should remember this morning that just as a mountain, unless it is commanded by God to move, cannot be moved, neither will God move. God is always there. God does not abandon us. He is eternal and unchangeable. The problem, though, is that we are not. We move. God may not move, does not move, but you and I sometimes move. And we move away from God. Notice our text says this morning that those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Let's be honest. Sometimes we do not trust in the Lord. Sometimes we trust in ourselves. Sometimes we trust in what we have, what we can do, what someone can do for us. And our trust is not in God. And so we move away from him. And we are like those in verse number five. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. We turn aside. And sometimes, sometimes, you and I turn aside from God, resting in the security that God affords us. What do I mean by that? We say, I cannot lose my salvation. 
God is always there, so I can go do whatever it is that I'd like to do. We rely on His grace, and we forget that God wants us to live holy and upright lives. The children of Israel were in a similar boat. If you were to go over and read in Jeremiah chapter number 7, you would hear God plead with the children of Israel to return to Him, to amend their ways and their deeds. But instead, they trusted that because the temple of God was there and God dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem, that nothing would ever come against them, that they would never be defeated, that they could keep doing all that they wanted to do for as long as they wanted to do it, and it really didn't matter because God surely would not destroy the temple. Indeed, Jeremiah says, this is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And he says that God says, do not abide by these deceptive words and truly truly sometimes we think the same way destruction came to Jerusalem and ultimately brought repentance sometimes beloved you and I face difficulties in our life. Sometimes you and I are knocked backwards. Sometimes you and I stagger because God is trying his best to get our attention and to say to us, amend your ways. To say to us, I'm here, I'm never going to leave you, but come back to me. And sometimes... Because, well, you and I don't always pay close attention, do we? He has to use some extraordinary means to do it. Now, we should also note this morning, though, that when things do not always go our way, it may not be sin that's causing us to stumble. If we have searched our hearts and we feel like there's nothing else left that we have confessed and we have done everything we know that God is calling us to do and we're still stumbling, we must acknowledge that we live in a world where the devil will attack us. Where the devil will try to knock us off course. Where the devil will seek to destroy us because we are the bastions of righteousness and we are the ones who are supposed to be attacking him all the time. And when we do attack, do not think that he will not attack back. Notice verse 3. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous. My encouragement to you this morning, if you find yourself under attack, is to hold tight to that word rest. Rest. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest. Remain. Stand still. Not move. You may be suffering now. You may be under attack, 
but it will not last. It will not rest upon you. It will not remain. Indeed, 1 Peter 5 tells us, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Did you catch all that? After you have suffered a little while, definite point of time. You and I might not think a definite point of time when we're in the midst of the struggle, but that word there means a definite point of time. And in the end, God will restore everything back. We learned this recently in our Sunday school class uh, as we dealt with Peter being sifted. Jesus told him, but he said, I'll bring you back. No, oh, beloved, sometimes the devil just wants to sift us. And we must remember that it will not rest. Lest, as the end of verse 3 says, the righteous shall turn to do wrong. Indeed, we should be always looking for how we can turn the evil that is perpetrated against us into good. Next week, excuse me, next month, 55 years ago, early morning, in Birmingham, Alabama, four little African-American girls went to the restroom during Sunday school. And right outside, someone had planted a bomb. The 16th Street Baptist Church blew up and those four little girls lost their lives because of hate. Dr. Martin Luther King preached their funeral and in their funeral he said these words, God still has a way of wringing good out of evil. History has proven over and over again that unmerited suffering is redemptive. The innocent blood of these little girls may well be the redemptive force that will bring light to this dark city. At the end of a long summer of hate, America finally began to turn because of the loss of those four little girls. Our job, beloved, is to always try to use what is thrown against us for redemptive purposes, to take that which the enemy seeks to throw at us and sap us of all strength and instead say, guess what, devil? I'm going to use this to strengthen me to fight you harder. Now, how often is it that we think that? How often is it that when we get knocked back, we just sit down and relax a little while and saying, all right, you knocked me down. I'm coming harder next time. I'm going to bring it bigger. Why? Because I've got God on my side. But we don't do that. We don't do that. How do we survive attacks this morning? I've just mentioned one. Our text points to two others. At the end of chapter, uh, verse number five, 
we see a phrase we have already seen as we studied these pilgrimage psalms. Peace be upon Israel. It's a reminder that we should pray for our fellow believers. It's a reminder that we should pray for them and for their wholeness, remembering that peace is not a cessation of hostilities here, but for wholeness. What happens when you pray for other people? What happens? You think about them, right? So, I want to take a moment this morning, and I want to talk about the fact that you and I are not in the sanctuary of Grove Park Baptist Church. And boy, oh boy, if there's ever been a week where I feel like the devil has been stirring, it is this week. <laughs> By the way, praise the Lord, we're, we lived in our own house now. Amen. But it weren't without a fight. But think about it. We've been planning for Bible school. We had everything ready for Bible school. And what happens? Flood, not watches, warnings. Like, go out and buy the gopher wood. We need to build an ark. In fact, <laughs> the funniness of God, one of the blow-ups we had in here was a Noah's Ark. <laughs> Friday night we had not one but two of our members at the ER. Saturday morning we get up, the sun is shining, we are not sure what that flying object is, but we really remember it's the sun, and we come and we also remember that one of the qualities of the sun is that it brings heat. We give grace, though, and think that the sanctuary air conditioner is just running a little behind and it'll catch up. And then at about 1030 last night, I get a text that says, nope. So you and I this morning are here in an air-conditioned gym. There's no sunlight coming in except for a few windows. Some of you lucked out and got padded metal chairs. <laughs> Some of you, and I watched you, took metal chairs and moved a padded chair to where you wanted to sit. <laughs> we had to sing off of a piece of paper the video that we had worked this week on, we are not able to watch. The choir that had prepared the anthem, they were not able to sing. I have to stand right here. I can't move because you won't be able to hear me if I do. Boy, it's frustrating. But this morning in Kakama, Kenya, the Church of God met in a place where there is no running water. 
where the temperature was when I checked at 6 o'clock Kenya time just a little while ago, 92 degrees, where there was no trees, and they have a tin shed to meet in. There the church of God met and sang the praises of God this morning. You may be uncomfortable, but let me tell you, beloved, they had it worse. And so when we are under attack, we say, well... (laughs) Lord, where do I need to pray for to remind me that I got it good? And on a side note, given how good we got it, shouldn't we be a little bit more thankful? And shouldn't we work ever harder to push back darkness so that other people can know how good they have it once they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Not only should we be praying for other people, not only should we always be seeking to turn suffering into redemptive purposes, but we should always understand that we rest not in our own power and our own strength, but in the strength of another. Verse 4, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Do good. In other words, Lord, just watch over them. Watch over them, Lord. They're under attack. Watch over them, Lord. And we understand that you and I will always fall when we stand tall in our own strength. But when we stand in the power that is secured for us through our receipt of the finished work of the cross, in which the power of hell was forever defeated, in which sin was forever conquered, in which Christ secured for us eternal life. Then we stand in Him. We stand, as we have already said this morning, on that sure foundation. We stand in much the same way and manner as St. Patrick did. St. Patrick? It's August, preacher. I know, but as I put out a seat this morning, somewhere over there, unless it was padded and somebody moved it, there is a happy St. Patty's Day sticker, and I thought, man, God, you are hilarious today. You see, St. Patrick was on his way to spread the gospel to terror. I think I have that part right. And he found that there was going to be some folks coming to attack him, to keep him from spreading the gospel. And so tradition holds that he offered this prayer. I arise today 
through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from snares of devils, from temptation of vices, from everyone who shall wish me ill afar and near. And right there, that's a good enough prayer. But he continues and he says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. In other words, oh God, surround me and hold me up so that when my knees grow weak, when my arms raised high for worship grow weary, when my back gets stooped, oh God, surround me and make me stand tall in you. That's not my power. That's not your power. That's the power of God. And that is the disciple's strength. So the question is this morning, beloved, do you know that power? Do you know that power? Have you ever experienced that power by God flooding into your life to forgive you for that which you cannot find forgiveness for anywhere but from Him? Where you cannot find strength from, from anywhere but from Him? Are you standing tall in His power? Oh, you may be standing tall, but let me warn you. You won't stand tall for long. You will get knocked out. But if you stand tall in His power, ah, you may stumble. You may fall. But He's always got you. And you will still stand tall. Let's pray.